Matthew chapter 5. If you have a Bible with you, please open it to Matthew chapter 5, this section called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, What we'll be doing, uh, we have literally two weeks left of the Beatitudes, uh, this week and then two weeks' time. And then what we're going to do is we'll probably break for the summer there, and we'll do Psalms again. We love to do Psalms during the summer. And then we'll come back into the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be just working through the Sermon on the Mount uh, from September then. So, uh, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, seeing the crowds, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those, this is today's, blessed are those who persecute you, who, perse- who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God. Let's pray before we come to see what God has to say to us today through his word. Let's pray. Father, today we come to you and repeat. We come into this room today with so many differing stories of what the last week has brought. And Father, we are here because we want to worship Jesus. We're here because we want to hear from you. We're here for your glory. And Father, I pray that that would be our heart's attitudes as we come to your word. We want to hear from you. We want your word through the Spirit to change us, to help us, to comfort us, to guide us. We want to hear from you. So, Father, we pray now through the Spirit that's exactly what will happen. So, while we're coming in from a week of encouragement or a week of discouragement, Father, take our eyes off that and focus them on you. Focus them on your son. Let us hear from you, we pray. Father, we pray today for all those who hurt amongst us. We pray that you would be the comforter. Thank you that you have given the gift of your spirit to be just that, the comforter, the healer, the redeemer. Father, we we thank you for the gift of the spirit. Father, I pray that you would minister to all today where there is need. Thank you for your presence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, 
I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin our time in the Beatitudes this morning and this particular Beatitude. Let me read it again for you. Blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right, let me ask you a question. There's a statement that is made by Christians, and there's a desire in the heart of Christians, and I think it's a valid, good desire in the heart of Christians, but there's a statement made, and there's a desire in the heart, and it's this, I just want to be like Jesus. Now, all of us in here think that's a perfectly good desire. That, is, that should be the desire of our hearts. We know as we've walked through the Beatitudes, we've saw these character traits. Uh, like if we look at them, we look at the poor in spirit, demonstrated perfectly in the life of Christ. Blessed are those who mourn, demonstrated perfectly in the life of Christ. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, demonstrated perfectly in the life of Christ. These are all things that we, we know Jesus demonstrates perfectly, and we want to be like. So, we, so it's a perfectly good desire, yes, to be like Jesus. And that's what we want, yeah? Well, let me just go through a few things that Jesus said and Jesus was, and then I'll ask you again. Do you want to be like Jesus? This is what Jesus said. Do you really want? I'll give you a couple of things. Jesus said this about himself. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Now, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, when we hear the word serve, what we can think of is tea, or welcome, or band, or what I'm doing now, or sound desk, or whatever. We think serve. Yeah? Am I wrong? Am I right? Yeah? That's what we think. When we hear the word serve, that's what we think, right? Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve. The key in that statement is this, to give his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus said he came to serve, he basically said he came to give up his life. Still want to be, still want to be like Jesus. The call is to give up your life. One of his disciples says, Teacher, I, follow you. I'll fo- I will follow you. This is, a, this is a grand statement by one of the disciples again, just like us, what we do all the time. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you will go. Again, I just want to be with you, like you. I, I will follow you wherever you will go. Jesus said, Foxes have dens, birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was functionally homeless. Anybody? Do we still want to walk down the I want to be like Jesus road? Jesus said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, 
We know that Jesus didn't mean a literal sword because in the garden when Peter took out a sword and cut off the, the soldier's ear, Jesus rebuked him for that. He, what did he, but what did he mean? Jesus meant when he said he did not come to bring peace because we also know that he did come to bring peace between God and man, but what he meant was he did not come to bring peace as in things weren't going to be easy, but he came to bring a sword. What he came to do was divide right and wrong. And when we divide right and wrong, wrong doesn't like it. Wrong gets angry and wrong kills Jesus. Still want to be like Jesus. Are we still on that path? And then we have probably the best one of all, Jesus says, forgive as I have forgiven you. Do we want to be like Jesus when we're wronged? And Jesus says things like, forgive as I have forgiven you. Are we still walking down this road, yeah? Are we all in? Yeah? We're still Some nodding heads. Fair play, I'm out at this stage. Functionally homeless. Came to be more or less hated by the crowds. Uh, you know, like... And then we have today's Beatitude. They persecuted me, so they will persecute you if you follow me. And you will be blessed because of that. You see, the reality is this, folks. When we say we want to be like Jesus, often what we mean is this. Often what we mean is we want the adoration of the crowd, but not the desertion of the cross. Often what we mean is we want the fellowship without the sacrifice. Often what we mean is we want the miracles without the persecution. Often what we mean is we want the triumphal entry but not the pain of the rejection. Often what we mean is we want to be like all the good parts without the hard, difficult, painful parts. So I'll ask you again, do you want to be like Jesus? As we come to this beatitude today, where we need to begin with this beatitude is here. What persecution is not what persecution is not. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So I need to begin where, where persecution is not so that we're clear, right? This is not a blanket statement of blessing for all those who are suffering. This is not a blanket statement of blessing for all those who are suffering. Read the text carefully. It is a specific promise of blessing, a promise of blessing for those who are being persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
And that's massive in this beatitude. It's huge. Because the reality is there are many who will face suffering for their own stupidity or poor choices. Those people do not receive the blessing that Jesus is talking about here. The blessing he promises is for those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 1 Peter 2.20 says, For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? He goes on later to say, Make sure that none of you suffers, suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a trouble... This, this is a real kicker here. Or a troublesome meddler. Let me, let me read that list again. Let me read that list just so that we're clear on, on where Peter puts things in perspective, right? Murderer, thief, evildoer, troublesome meddler. Don't suffer like that. Be careful. You don't suffer like that because there's no credit in that, Peter says. Stop being a meddler. There's, no, there's, there's nothing righteous about that. Peter is emphasizing the same thing there as Jesus is emphasizing here. God does not promise to bless you for difficulties which you have brought upon yourself. Are we clear? God does not promise to bless you for difficulties which either your stupidity or your bad decisions have brought about. Right? We're, we're, we're good. Unfortunately, the reality of so much of persecution in our Western world that some of us receive and we're persecuted is not because of righteousness. I, heard, I read a story this week about a young fella, a young Christian fella who was driving his car and, he, and he, he wrote into some blog or something to say this. Like, would you ever? But anyway, he wrote into some blog to say that this young Christian fellow was driving up in his car up, up to the lights and he was playing his Christian music really, really loudly. Playing the Christian music flat out, loud, in the car. And this old grumpy man next to him at the lights gave him a stare, frowned at him, and he was being persecuted because of Jesus. Or was it that he was playing his music too loud and being a pain in the backside. Which one? A or B? Pain in the back. Well done, Rowan. Pain in the backside. Well done, mate. Rowan, 10 out of 10. That's the reality. That is not persecution. That is being silly. He also said he played his Christian music really, really loud in his bedroom and his mum and dad got annoyed. And Listen, it wouldn't have mattered if his mum and dad got, if he, if he was playing ACDC or like City of Light. If it's too loud, it's too loud. That's why he's being rebuked. Not for Jesus' sake. We can do this all, the, we, 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 I see so much of this in the Western culture. We're being persecuted. Let me give you another example. I don't know, this may hit home with someone. Hope it doesn't. It's a random example. If it hits you, it's from the Spirit, not from me. Uh, if you're spending hours, for example, right, in work, and you're spending hours talking about Jesus and talking about the Bible, 
and not doing your work. And your boss gets angry. He's not angry because you're talking about Jesus or the Bible. They're angry because you're not doing your work. Do you see the difference? You're not being persecuted for righteousness. We need to be very careful what we see as persecution for righteousness' sake. Jesus is very clear here. To qualify for the blessing that is in this beatitude, one, the accusation or persecution must be either false or it must be because of Jesus. If the accusation they make is true and it's nothing to do with Jesus, then it is because of either, I said again, your own stupidity or bad decision-making. And there is no blessing in that. That's not what persecution is when it comes to what Jesus is saying here. So, persecution that Jesus calls blessed here is for suffering for righteousness. It is suffering for the Christ in you. That's what it is. It is suffering for when people see Jesus in you being demonstrated and they can't hack it and they persecute you because of it. That's what persecution is. So we know, because the Bible tells us that everything that God is doing in our lives, everything is to make us into the image of Christ. Yes, we know that that is His preeminent goal for your life. His ultimate will for your life I've said it before, people freak out about the will of God for their lives. I'll tell you it now. The ultimate will of God in your life is to make you more like Jesus. Right? If that is happening and you are becoming more like Christ, persecution is a guarantee. That's simple. But it is Jesus being birthed in you and through you that will bring about the persecution. And it is going to happen. That's why Jesus adds this list in the Beatitudes here. You notice the rest of the Beatitudes up until this point have been almost qualities. This is not a quality per se. It is like Jesus just adds this here at the end. This is going to happen. Be ready. John 15, 20, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you as though something strange were happening to you. 2 Timothy 3.12 All who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus makes it clear if you're following him and you're becoming like him, you're going to be persecuted. Mark 1 tells us when Jesus went to the synagogue in Capernaum to teach, a man with an unclean spirit cries out, What have you to do with me, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And even the demon in the possessed man responded to Christ. It is the response to Christ in you that will bring about this persecution that Jesus is talking about. 
It is the same as that evil spirit and that man responded to Jesus. It is the same that the evil powers of this world who are control, and people who are controlled by them will respond to Jesus in you. Now, if that's true, what does it say about the, world, the way the world is responding to you and to me? What does it say about how much like Christ we are becoming? Because we need to do some serious reflection ourselves on that. Let me ask you a question. I ask a lot of questions. I don't have any answers. I ask a lot of questions. Has anyone called you holier than thou? Now, not because, listen to this, not because you're arrogant or pretentious, but because you're actually becoming holy. Has anyone called you a bigot or religious nut? Not because you're ignorant or rude, but because you're trying to genuinely stand on biblical truth. Or, or, do we fit just right in? For years and years, I heard in my early Christian days, you know, the goal of reaching people is, you know, just be like, you know, fit in. Don't be, don't be weirdo. Don't be a Christian, like, weirdo, nut job. Just fit in. Be like them. To win them, be like them, you know. There couldn't be anything more unbiblical. Do you fit in with everyone around you? Now, let me make it clear. We shouldn't be trying to draw attention to ourselves or trying to bring persecution on ourselves. And I say that because there's a kind of person who loves to do that. Just, there's a kind of person who loves the drama. They don't love the drama, the drama loves them, right? That's a line from a, like, I don't know what happens to me when I'm preaching sometimes. Like, literally, that is a Taylor Swift line, right? How the blazes did that get in my head? Being indoctrinated by the world. Uh, I, don't, I do love Taylor Swift. Rowan, why are you giving out all my secrets? Uh, we shouldn't want to draw attention to ourselves or want to bring the drama on ourselves just for the sake of the attention and the drama. Trust me, if you're becoming like Christ, it will find you. It will find you. What does the response of the world around you say about how much like Christ you are becoming in your character? All who desire, this is what the Scripture all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I'm going to say this, I'm saying it about me, as much as I'm saying it to you. 
if we are not being persecuted for righteousness' sake, might it be because we're not becoming like Jesus? It calls for prayer. It calls for self-evaluation. Are people seeing Jesus in me? Because what we're told is, if they are, we will receive persecution. So, persecution is not, is not for all of our mistakes, all of our wrongdoing, all of our silliness, all of our bad choices. That is not what we're talking about here, and there is no blessing for that. The persecution that we are talking about is persecution for Jesus. People seeing Jesus in you. Let's for a moment think about what persecution looks like in the world today. What we see in the world today in many, many places is real, genuine Christian persecution for righteousness sake. Down through the centuries, since Jesus left this earth, the church has been persecuted for righteousness sake. And the reality is, here's the truth, and we need to wake up to this a wee bit in our, in our context and in our culture. I have received more persecution for being a cyclist than I have for being a Christian. That's the reality. We in this country, a country that for many, many, many generations now has had the freedom to worship that we have, that has the freedom of expression that we have, that has the freedom to proclaim the gospel that we have, we don't know we're living when it comes to being persecuted for righteousness' sake. What we have experienced as our normal, listen to this, what we have experienced as our normal in our lifetimes is a blessed exception on the world scale. And we have to realize this. We are the exception to the rule, folks. The church all over the globe, in most parts, apart from the West, is being persecuted, is being slaughtered, is being, like, churches being burned, homes being burned. It is all going on. And here, we know nothing of it and have never known anything of it. We are the blessed exception. Every Sunday, we come into this building free, no one hindering us. We sit in here with complete assurity and security that no one is going to come through those doors with either a machete or a, or a machine gun and take us out for what we believe. When Jesus told his disciples to expect persecution, he says, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, this isn't anything new. It has been the story of God's people throughout the entirety of our existence. The early church experienced the same persecution that Jesus did. I've been over it with you loads of times, how the, 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 the first disciples all died. 
horrendous deaths, persecuted for righteousness' sake. A number of years later, the Roman Empire demanded that Christians offer sacrifices to the emperor and proclaim, Curios Kerios, Caesar is Lord. That's what they wanted the church to do. The church said, no, we're not doing that. What happened? Slaughtered for not declaring Caesar as Lord. They refused, and they went to their deaths proclaiming this, Christos Curios, Christ is Lord. In the early 1900s, Muslim soldiers went throughout Turkey questioning men, women, and children at Bennett Point to say, Muhammad is Christ, and no, Christ is Christ. And they were slaughtered for their faith. We know nothing of that type of persecution. But I do believe there is a time coming, maybe in my lifetime, may not be, where Christians who say Christ is Lord, that the Word of God is true, will receive severe persecution for that belief. Young people, I can now say that, right? And I'm speaking, when I say young people, I'm speaking to, like, Jane, don't think I'm talking to you, all right? Uh, Or young people. Listen. There is a day coming for you where you will have to make a choice to either stand for Christ or conform to the world. And it will cost you. And it may cost you a lot more than it will cost us. It may cost you your career. It may cost you prison time. It will cost you. And my fear for you is that we as a generation above you are not setting the bar high enough. We are, and I say this to rebuke us as a generation, me, we are allowing you to have this cozy, middle ground, nonsensical, religious experience that we call Christianity. And we need to repent of that. And we, as your seniors, need to do better. We need to train you for when that day comes that you will be able to stand and say, Christ is Lord. Because honestly, I don't know. Honestly, this is one of them ones where you're in the, tr- you know, you're in the trenches with people and, and like going to war. And, and you're, I don't know how many of us, how many of us would be able to say at, the, at, at gunpoint or at bayonet point or at machete point, Christ is Lord. If you're going to be a Christian in the next generation, you're going to have to mean it. You need to be ready to suffer for it. 
we need to be ready to suffer for it because it's going to happen. It is happening before our eyes. As Peter says, don't be surprised. Like, literally, it's, it's crazy to my head. The Bible says, Peter says, don't be surprised when this comes upon you. And we're on the radio, we're on Nolan going, this is ridiculous. Do we read the Bible? Don't be surprised. It's coming. It's going to be that way for us quicker than we would like to think it. But even if it doesn't come soon or isn't already here, there will still need to be a response. There is still, there still will be a response by the world to you of the Christ they see in you. And the question is this. Is the world seeing Christ in you? Is the world seeing Christ in me? Is the reason we are not being persecuted currently because we live in such a friendly place? Or is it because we are not demonstrating Jesus? Are we not having any door slammed in our face because we aren't knocking any doors? We aren't being rejected for witnessing because we're not witnessing. No one is threatening us for teaching the Bible because we're not teaching the Bible. No one is calling us, as I say, holier than thou because the reality is we're not holy. Folks, it isn't taking much persecution. And I can say this for myself. It isn't taking much persecution to keep us for living for Christ. And some of us need to admit today, I'm not being persecuted because the truth is, I'm not becoming much like Christ. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness because of becoming like me. And the reality is, folks, I, I want to I end today where we, where we end or where we, at some point every week, with the gospel. Because the glorious good news of the gospel is this. If we're in Christ, we are secure, right? We're We're secure. No doubt. But what this study of the Beatitudes has, has brought home to me and, and hopefully has brought home to you is that from that point, from that point of security, where is the striving? Where is the desire for holiness? 
Where is the desire to grow in Christ? Where is the desire for evangelism? Where is the desire for the fruits of the Spirit? Where is the desire to grow, to, to, to become more like Jesus? My fear for us is that we're happy and content with this. And in Corinthians, it talks about someone who is happy and content with this, like this, as one escaping through the flames. Do we really want to be that? Do we really want to be ones who, like, just, like, yeah, we're safe and secure in Christ. We are. There's no doubt about that. We're safe and secure. Yes, brilliant. But do we really want to be people who are escaping as those through the flames? Just, ooh. Because that's what, obviously, that's the universal sign for escaping through flames. Woo! Right? Is that who we want to be? Or do we want to be the church that Christ is calling us to be? Pushing on, becoming more like Jesus, being persecuted for righteousness' sake, showing this world around us Jesus. Is that the church that we want to be? It's up to us. It's up to us. We are the only ones who can pursue it. We are the only ones who can go from here today and be like, right, you know what? Yep. I, I'm not. I'm, I, I realize I am safe and secure and my salvation is in Jesus. Yep. But we're the only ones who can go out the door and be like, right, you know what? Yes. Now's the time. Flick the switch. Let's go. We're the only, you're the only ones, I am the only ones that can do that. I can't do it for you, you can't do it for anyone else. Only you can do it. So I'm challenging us today. Are we going to do that? Or are we just going to mosey through? As one's escaping through the flames. Blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For what? Theirs. They will be the ones to receive the kingdom. They will be the ones to receive the kingdom. Can I pray for us? And then I'll lead us in communion. Father, we realize that uh, we come before you and we know we fall short. We know we do. And we know we need your help. And so far I pray that through the Holy Spirit that you would give us your help. Father, we pray that you would pour your Spirit out on us. That we would be a church. That we would be a people of God. Not persecuted because we want persecution. We want the blessing of persecution because we're becoming like Christ. So help us, we pray. We need you. Help us to repent of the sin that's in our lives. Help us to, to cast off, as Hebrews says, cast off everything that is holding us back and pursuing Jesus. Help us to cast it off and go after 
you. We love you and we thank you, for, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the cross that has brought our salvation. But there's so much more. So much more. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.